Free Talk Live. Welcome to the Monday episode of the program. With you in the studio tonight, you've got Ian. And Bonnie. We weren't planning on doing a live show here tonight, but as I mentioned last night, we were kind of the fallback crew because most of the Free Talk Live uh, crew is supposed to be going up to the Porcupine Freedom Festival this week, and from what I understand, they are there. Uh, I heard this through the rumor mill because I'm still not allowed to talk to Aria Demetso, who is our main uh, engineer there on site, because I'm on some ridiculous bail conditions that have yet to be loosened, uh, which we put a motion in, I don't know, two weeks, maybe going on three weeks ago. Uh, At this point, we're basically just waiting for a woman in a robe, the very same one who denied me bail uh, three months ago or whatever it was. Who said she was going to do it expeditiously it to make a decision? It took three weeks or more to do it. Yeah, she took three weeks to make a decision on uh, on bail, which was to deny it. I guess it, it might take about three weeks to sign the signature. Uh, yeah, I guess that's like the typical length of time it takes things. So, um, so we're still waiting on that. So, meanwhile, you know, we kind of have to have your uh, First Amendment rights infringed, as the uh, higher up judge agreed. Correct, and so who knows when that's going to happen? Meanwhile. Uh, the crew is there at the campground. I know I've heard that Aria has arrived. Matt, our Wednesday night co-host, uh, is there. And actually, we're hoping to hear from Matt tonight because, again, Aria can't call in because uh, then she'd be talking Thursday to me. Thursday night. Yeah, Matt's Thursday Oh, night. Thursday. Thank you for that. Yep. And uh, so he may be calling in tonight with a report from the campground. Uh, from what I understand, it's very, very busy this year compared to previous years. It is a record setting or expected to be a record setting. I guess it's a technically already record setting because they've already sold out all the tickets. Uh, so presumably, presuming most of those people actually show up, it will be a record year for the Porcupine Freedom Festival. But unfortunately, the broadcast system there is not quite uh, ready to go. Hopefully they will be doing a show there starting tomorrow and they will be there live. Uh, or not live, but they'll be recording a show every single night. So in the meantime, we will talk to you and our phones are open at 202-380-3699 should you wish to join the program with me and Bonnie. Uh, so 202-380-3699. I've got some news to discuss here, Bonnie, and, and you're the most recent person who's been in college. Out of us two? Yeah, out of the two of us. I think probably out of all of the, the co-hosts. On yeah, but Free you Talk graduated. Live. I graduated from a two-year uh, AA or Associates in Arts degree, which is basically, they, they call co- community college like high school with cigarettes. It really wasn't a you know a big deal. But it was ultimately a waste of time because I wish I could have done something else with that time and not driven to school while falling asleep on more than one occasion, possibly, you know, running off the road and ending my or somebody else's life. Oh luckily, <laughs> luckily, that didn't happen. Um, but it, uh, I, I wish I could have done something else with that time, like sleep in, because ultimately it was a total waste of time. It didn't cost that much money because I had gotten a scholarship. From the state of Florida in that case, so ultimately my tax money paid for the uh, the college, but still, it's it's a useless thing. Having that degree is completely pointless. Uh, but you were there most recently, although you did an online college, right? Well, yeah, they were forcing me to only go online because it was during 2020, and uh, like when I first started enrolling, it wasn't going to be like that. Then all of a sudden in March, uh, I was supposed to take some classes that were supposed to help me get ready for the math portion of like the easiest math class you start taking 
Um, you were going to take classes to get ready for the math it's class? It's called a math refresher. Like you take uh, it. It's like a not, not a class, really. It's like a week-long, two-week-long thing. Is that because you tested below whatever level you needed to have or something like that? For math, yeah. Mm. I tested like almost perfect in English and writing and hmm. then like below average for math. Were you never good at math in school? Actually, I was like totally fine at math in middle school and high school. But like I just Did you do have- algebra? Yeah, but I just haven't like had to practice it at all in the real world. Like, why would I need? Oh, to actually and you've do been that? out of high school for a few years yeah, before and I've been you out started of high college. For like six years, I think now or five. So things got a little rusty. Six. That makes sense. Yeah, that makes. So, sense. anyways, I was about to do this math refresher class, and all of a sudden, COVID stuff started happening. This was like uh, March, and they were they canceled that, and hmm. it took forever for them to get it back up for me to take even online and then all my classes in the fall which I was going to start doing in the summer but so much stuff was just too confusing because I didn't have like a counselor to go talk to and even the colleges were confused like what's going on or we don't really know what we're going to do yet and all this stuff so I just kind of like I don't know I was doing it all myself so I didn't go in the summer I went in the fall all online and I dropped out the first semester because I was just like I could do this I could learn the same stuff on YouTube and it's basically like learning on YouTube to have a teacher on the computer. And also like, I don't know, I was going for IT. Why Mm -hmm. would I really need a degree for that? I mean, I could teach myself online and just start getting jobs or certificates. Right. The certificates are what people look for when it comes to getting a job. From what I understand. I mean, I've never done it, but I know people who have. Also, I hate jobs like that. Why would I want to do that? don't really know what I was thinking. That's true with a lot of college students is they just join the college because they were expected to. Now, you're different because you actually put a few years in between high school and college. Usually, they just go right from high school into college with no real clue as to what they want to do. And a significant portion of college students actually change their major more than once, from what I understand. I don't have the statistics in front of me, but it was like when I remember when I saw it years ago, I was shocked and how many college students they don't really know what they want to do they just sign up because they've been told that it's a good idea and then they just kind of go through the motions and ultimately change their major like two or three times or something like that yeah how much time is that wasted for yeah them? whenever i was in high school i was a valedictorian of my class oh wow and i was gonna be i was gonna go that to means s- you're really smart right well, I am really smart. Okay. I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, I was going to go to school to be an accountant is what I thought. I was like, that's what I'm going to do. And then like, I was like, I guess I'll just take um, like a year off and work or something. For some reason, like in that time, I was just like, yeah, I don't want to go to college. So, I mean, even just making a decision on what I wanted to do at all has changed so many times in the, I guess now six years that I've been out of high school. Yeah. I think that's one of the most important things that a young person can do is to take some time off from the whole schooling rigmarole, this gauntlet of never-ending government-mandated education and or government-highly-encouraged uh, education and just stop and take some time out for themselves if they don't know. If you don't know what you want to do, don't load up on $50,000 or $100,000 worth of debt. Like the, That's some of the worst financial decisions you'll ever make in your entire life, and you'll literally be paying for it for your entire life. And maybe that's a reason why, according to Cron.com, the Houston Chronicle, maybe that's a reason why college students, uh, according to the story, actually this is Washington Post they're citing, are feeling more anxious and depressed as they sleep less and spend more time on their phones, as though young people couldn't spend more time. I mean, you see them constantly uh, on phones, and even older people as He's well. He's making fun of me. Researchers said after, well, you're not, 
particularly anxious. I don't get that from you. Oh, no, just that I'm always on my phone. Right. Researchers said after spending four years monitoring the behaviors of young people, Dartmouth College, that's here in New Hampshire, researchers began tracking 217 students when they entered the school as freshmen in 2017. Now, Dartmouth College is one of these Ivy League, quote-unquote, schools. Like, this is top-tier. This is one of the best schools. It's a medical college. This is where, you know, I'm sure they have other curricula, but it's a medical college, right? Isn't it in Lebanon? Yeah, it's right nearby there. I think there's, I think it's in like the town next door or something like that. And so that's what they call the Upper Valley. It's about an hour and 15 minutes north of, uh, of here in Keene, New Hampshire, where we're broadcasting this show. So fancy college. This isn't your typical state college or university or whatever. This is Dartmouth College. This is up there with like Yale, right? So these students that they're tracking, this is the upper echelon of students too, right? Like this isn't your average kid that wants to go and become a teacher. These are likely people who are on a track to become some sort of medical professional. That's my understanding of the college. I, they've got like a very, very renowned medical school there. It's not cheap to go to Dartmouth College. You would think that people on that sort of a track of becoming like a doctor, which is actually a thing that you do need to go to college for still, because there's a lot of stuff that college is a total waste of time. But this is something that you're not going to get any work if you, you know, if you don't go to college. You'd think that they would be... I don't know, more sure of themselves, more interested in, in, in school and, and applying themselves. But nonetheless, uh, they've been tracked and they have been very stressed out and anxious and depressed. I don't know. I think the opposite. I think it makes sense that they would be more, more anxious and depressed because they have a lot of stuff to do and it's really serious. And everyone I know who goes to school for medical school ends up changing like, oh, no, I'm just getting a major in business or something. 202-380-3699 if you want to con- uh, weigh in here on college students and this anxiety that seems to just riddle young people these days. More coming up. It is Free Talk Live, the number to join us on the radio. It's 202-380-3699. That's 202-380-3699. With you in the studio tonight, you've got me, Ian. And Bonnie. Talking about a story out of uh, Lebanon, New Hampshire, which includes the uh, Dartmouth College, very high-end college that did a study on some of their own students that found that 217 students were tracked when they entered the school as freshmen in 2017. In the hopes of understanding how they behaved, they saw students' stress levels rise and fall, usually in tandem with midterm and final exams. But since the onset of the pandemic, quote-unquote, rates of depression and anxiety have soared and show no signs of coming down, said Andrew Campbell, researcher and computer science professor. The research points to how the public health crisis, they say, is affecting young people and raises questions about what will be done to support them, a group that struggled disproportionately with mental health issues for years before the pandemic set in. The question is, how long will they stay like this, said the researcher. The findings also added a growing body of research that, or to a growing body of research that indicate the effects of the coronavirus have extended beyond physical health and safety, particularly as people deal with social isolation, grief, unemployment, and uncertainty about the future. Now, a friend of the show 
former co-host Vincent, who is the host of Questioning Authority and Shire Free Media, and uh, he's still out there doing his show over on the Shire Free Media channel on DLive three times a week. He'll be doing his last live Questioning Authority on LRN.FM on Saturday night at 10 p.m. He's going to move to a podcast-only uh, situation on LRN, but he lives up near Dartmouth College, so he's kind of been following the you know the restrictions. Uh, not only what's been going on with the college here in Keene, because that's where he went to school, but also since he's in town with Dartmouth, he can kind of keep an eye on on what's been going on there. Oh, that makes sense why the town he lives in is so a COVID restriction crazy still. Because it's a college town? Yeah, I didn't realize that. Yeah, and he says that apparently he's living in an area where they're still cracking down, unlike even liberal Keene, New Hampshire, where they've loosened up and the mask mandate apparently went away a few weeks ago. Yeah, I thought he lived kind of in the middle of nowhere in the mountains up in New Hampshire. That's why I was kind of confused about why. He lives like a couple towns over, so he's not right next to the college, or maybe he's like in the town next to the college. He's in the woods for sure, but he's not like in the college uh, proper. So he's been able to follow what's been going on there with the various different rules and restrictions. And, And like every other college out there, Dartmouth College has had tremendous lockdown kind of restrictions students at this college have been unable to you know socialize with one another have a like the fun parts of going to college type of experience yeah all that's gone that's all been taken out um that was what was happening here in Keene was you weren't allowed to gather with other college students during like the weekends it used to be that the weekends were of course party time for college students and now if you were caught like going to a party you'd be expelled from the college. If you're even caught walking around downtown Keene, or in this case, Hanover, or uh, whatever the town is, Lebanon, if you're caught as a college student without a mask on, you will be disciplined, possibly lose whatever money that you've given to the college and kicked out. So it was already a stressful situation, and now you know you add to that the fact that you have no real way at least openly, of dealing with that stress. Now, I'm not saying that drinking heavily is a good idea. But socializing is. Yeah, absolutely. And um, it also just makes it like more like, Ugh, why am I doing this? I'm, I could be out, like some of my other friends who didn't go to college are out having fun and all this stuff, and I'm here being bored, you know. Where they're literally forced that. to be in their college dorm room. If you're not in class, which of course a lot of them were remote classes, you had to be in your college dorm room or in whatever other authorized places you were allowed to be. That's awful. Yeah. Yeah, that was one thing that actually made college lamer for me and me led to me deciding to drop out was um I went I went to it was just a community college but it was going to be I was kind of excited to actually go to the college because I was living in San Antonio and I would be like going to main street where san antonio college was which is where like all the fun gay bars were i thought it'd be so fun to like be walking there you'd have an excuse to go to do some fun stuff yeah and also just to meet people there and it's just cute and i was like now i'm just sitting in my stupid apartment doing my classes instead that's lame yeah in your case you could walk away from it because you were just like you said you were going for an it uh, career and that's all that information is online and all of the IT careers have to do with certifications a lot of the people who are hiring in that business they want to see your you know Microsoft certification or whatever the other you know, I know there's other ones out there uh, the other certifications they want to see those they don't really care that much a lot of them about a college degree so you could walk away from it but if you really want to be a doctor yeah 
you have to stay in this. And not only that, you know, the medical establishment is in a certain way about COVID, right? So like you can't break from the medical establishment either and have a different opinion and I imagine get through college either. So like even if you believe that COVID isn't that dangerous, which is of course what the evidence seems to suggest, even the evidence provided by the government, you can't say anything about that. You couldn't possibly like write a report that was contrary to the CDC provisions. So you are not only being locked down physically, but you're also being locked down mentally. You couldn't possibly stray from whatever the government approved curriculum is in this way. Sounds like it's like meant for a certain type of person to go to medical school. No offense to anybody who likes going to medical or like likes medical field, but the medical field, but I've never been into that because it just seems so like I don't know, I wouldn't want to do the actual jobs that are involved because they're so like that takes over your whole life if you're like a nurse or something. Like but you, you really have to love it. Yeah. And I couldn't imagine loving being obedient to the government and having to do whatever it is that they say in order to get a job. Like now, you know, I, I've heard a lot of these hospitals are requiring their employees to get vaccines. I know that happened in Houston. So the findings add to a growing body of research. They say here again, these uh, students dealing with anxiety and experiencing symptoms of depressive episodes they've had increases in that surprise surprise because well again they can't socialize researchers at dartmouth gathered data through a mobile app that the local um, computer guy that was developing this helped develop called student life which sits in the background of the user's phone and collects information on their location phone usage sleep sleep duration and sedentary behavior so the phone knows if you're sitting down right Uh it can it can detect if you're walking this is part of the study yeah okay the program also delivered weekly assessments so students could give updates on their mood and stress levels. Now, of course, you know, just as a general statement, not just looking at college students, but a lot of people put on weight during the COVID pandemic because they were at home instead of going to work. They weren't walking anywhere because in a lot of cases they weren't allowed to. So rather than spending their extra time exercising at home, they spent their extra time, you know, eating food playing or video whatever, games. playing video games. And, and, you know, combine that with increased stress levels, you got a, you got so a real nasty situation. The researchers then compared the data with the general public's online search habits and found students reported higher levels of stress as people were seeking information about COVID fatigue. A strong correlation between the search term and certain behaviors, such as increased phone usage, helped define the phenomenon and explain how COVID fatigue affects mental health outcomes. And if you were experiencing this or still are and you want to express yourself, you want to share your thoughts with us, or maybe you know somebody who has, 202-380-3699 is our number. It's Ian and Bonnie here on Free Talk Live. Looking for a great real estate investment? Consider New Hampshire, which is ground zero for the Liberty Movement. Your first call should be to Mark Warden from Porcupine Real Estate. He's more than just a real estate agent. He's your New Hampshire concierge. Where are the best places to live? Do you want farm, city, the burbs, or forest? Do you want a duplex or multifamily building so that renters pay your mortgage? There are homes in all price ranges in New Hampshire, and Mark can help with financing, too. Invest in Liberty and property. Mark Warden can help. PorcupineRealEstate.com this is free talk live uh the number may not be working there's some uh, we've been going through some difficulties with it 
But if you want to try our new SIP option, S-I-P, it is an internet method of calling in that should be working fine. Uh, but it does take a little bit to set it up and make sure that your client's working correctly. I've got a set of instructions that are over at freetalklive.com. It's the first article on the page. So if you want to uh, jump through those hoops and call in with SIP, you can reach us at uh, the address that you'll find at freetalklive.com. Again, first article as you look down the page. With you tonight, it's Ian. And Bonnie. Also, Free Talk Live brought to you by Bitcoin.com. If uh, you want to learn about cryptocurrency, Bitcoin.com can help you with that. And you can just click on the Get Started section of the site and you'll learn the basics about crypto like Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash. And there's no better time than now, especially with the price down uh, earlier today. I think I like to get the price right now here. It's, right now, it's below $32,000 uh, per Bitcoin. It's on sale. It sure seems like it, considering that it peaked at over $60,000 earlier this year. And earlier this week, was that like thirty eight? Yeah, that, well, I think it was just yesterday or the day before. Hmm. So, um, you know, you never know. It may continue to go down. But if you can afford to uh, to get into a little bit, you know, might not be a terrible idea. Uh, learn more about it first, though. Never jump into something before you've actually done some due diligence and taken the time to really kind of have a grasp over some of the new concepts that are involved. Bitcoin.com can help you do that. If you're not brand new to crypto, then you can get the latest news headlines about cryptocurrency over on their news website. And that's news bitcoin.com as uh, we continue here we're talking about college students and their difficulties now they've already been this sort of anxious depressed bunch and now it's even worse than it's ever been you know bonnie you have been around a lot of young people you know you're you're still pretty young yourself uh would you say that there's a lot of people that you know that that like to claim that they have anxiety yeah like everyone that i know it's everyone (laughs) Pretty much. Everyone your age, basically, right? Like 95%. It was never like that when I was growing up. It's really weird. Like, I never heard the term anxiety in any sort of meaningful, like, I have this thing sort of sense until the last maybe 15 years, 20 years. I think I never started doing that because, I mean, it's not that I don't think it's real. It's not like I'm one of those people who are like, it's completely all in your head and you're just doing it for attention. It's not... Like that, but I do think that if you claim it for yourself, then yeah, you're gonna uh, start acting like that a lot more. You own it. You own it. Right? Like I have anxiety. Oh, I can't handle driving into a city. Oh, I can't handle this. Then it, that's then how you're gonna can't. start acting. Yeah. Then you can't. Um, that's what you call a self fulfilling prophecy. Yeah, I think that I never really did that because, like in high school, my sister started like acting really anxious and saying she had anxiety, and I've just always kind of done the opposite of everything my sister does. I don't know. I just really didn't want to have. Like, I really didn't want to be like that for some reason. She wasn't a role model. She was like a counter role model, basically. She was everything you didn't want to be. Yeah, in (laughs) high school for some reason. I don't know why. And like as a child, I was always like that with her. But for whatever reason, I never started doing that. Good. So I just, I don't know. I can do whatever I want to do. Like I drove from San Antonio to Maine. That's such a better outlook on things is that you, and, and people used to think that way. People used to be taught, hey, look, you know, whatever you apply your mind to, you can become. And from what I've seen, that's still true about the world. That is the way life is. It's just people have been, and maybe this is a bigger, you know, deeper plot against humanity by the elites who are trying to and have been very successful at indoctrinating people and and controlling them. Yeah, you can't do this yourself. You need the government to help you. 
or some expert or whatever. You need the experts to help you. Yeah, and that is a very disempowering belief system. And what you say about yourself is inevitably what is true about yourself. You can start telling a different story immediately. Like every day, you can create yourself anew. I know that sounds hard to believe, right? And and it may not be something that you can do immediately, but it's something that you can start working towards. I mean, you you would have to be like a master at life to be able to snap your fingers and go from being, let's say, a completely negative person who's always angry and doesn't believe in themselves to being a positive person who's always, you know, looking forward to the future and does believe in themselves. That's 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 a tough change. I think everybody go goes in kind of like maybe not everybody because you're pretty constant. But everybody, I mean, most people like to, I mean, kind of go in waves of that. Like maybe they'll start realizing they're being depressed and then they'll be like, you know what, I'm going to get off my feet and like make today a positive day or whatever. But there are a lot of people who are just like, this is part of my brain chemistry. Mm -hmm. I'm anxious and there's nothing I can do about it. So if I'm driving into the city and it's really, really busy, I'm going to like start crying and freaking out. I've seen this with my own eyes. That's why I'm using that as an example. Right. Like, oh my God, there's a lot of traffic. I need to pull over. Like I'm literally having an anxiety attack right now. And I'm glad they're not on the road, you know, in that case, because I certainly wouldn't want them to continue to drive in that case. But I think you're right. It is all in their head. And, and they don't want to believe that. And I've also known somebody uh, like this. I'm not going to say who, who it is because um, that's irrelevant. But not that they had the driving issue, but that they believe that like depression, because the other side of this is depression. So that's what this article is about with the college students is lots of anxiety, lots of depression, usually both within the same person. And the same thing about people who are constantly depressed is they believe that it is a chemical imbalance in their brain. And that's what people are told is, oh, well, you just have a chemical imbalance. You need to take this pill. How long do I need to take the pill? For the rest of your life. It's, it's not like it's impossible that you could have a chemical imbalance, but you could probably change it with your own mind. Well, that's where I wanted to go with this. And we can get back to the story about the college students here uh, in a moment. But the interesting thing about depression at least and i suspect you could do a similar study about anxiety and it wouldn't surprise me if it had already been done but i've seen that they did a placebo study on depression and lo and behold the little red sugar pill that you know for listeners that don't know placebo is just a sugar pill it's just a, there's nothing there that's that could act there's no chemical that could act on a person's alleged problem but you tell the person hey this little red pill is going to cure your depression. And you know what? In a lot of cases, it does. It does cure their depression. So that is, to me, clear evidence that what we're dealing with here is a mind over matter yep. kind of problem. And you can still show that information to a depressed person and they'll reject it. And I, I don't care if there's somebody listening, like getting all triggered because they're like, I have depression. No, I have depression. I have to take Zoloft or else I will literally not be able to survive. Like my boyfriend was literally kidnapped from my house and I had just like no will to live for like weeks. Mm -hmm. And I, for some reason, thought of the words of Hannah Montana saying, <laughs> don't stay down. And I was just like, you know what, Hannah Montana, I'm going to... I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to not stay down. And I just didn't. I just made myself stop being depressed. Like I was literally like not changing my sheets, mm. like eating Cheetos in bed and stuff like that. Yikes. I was really depressed when you first got kidnapped. But you made a change. I just on decided your, on how to make you a thought. change. And yep, it just worked. In and fact, I was always to... like 
smiling and stuff like that. Like mm-hmm. we'd go to nightcaps and stuff and I'd just be like, people would be asking me about you and I'd be like, just like really positive about it. Like, I don't know when he's going to get out, but I know he's going to get out. Yeah. And you, like I told you the other night, you helped me while I was in jail. I mean, I, I'm pretty good at staying positive, but you know, when you're facing the rest of your life in prison and it can look a little dark, right? When you're up against this evil organization that, you know, they have no limit to the amount of money that they can spend and the amount of time they can spend to ruin your life and your friends' lives. You know, it can get uh, it can get difficult. I mean, I I wouldn't say I was ever anything but generally positive, but sometimes the, the dark the darkness rises a little bit, and to have you on the outside being positive was helpful for me too. Uh, the number here is two zero two three eight zero three six nine nine. Check out our SIP call options over at freetalklive.com. If you get the time, set that up. Give the give us a try there. You'll actually sound better. So it's worth the 10 minutes or whatever that it takes to get it set up. Then once you have it set up, it's like an instant way to call in. It's super easy. Uh, so if you want to comment on anxiety and depression, are you somebody who has been these things and has defeated them without the use of some sort of chemical? I want to hear from you tonight. This is Free Talk Live. We're broadcasting to you from the very first day of the Porcupine Freedom Festival, although we are not at it because, well, I'm not allowed to leave the house without government permission due to these insane bail restrictions. But there's a lot of people expected to be there this week. And from what I hear, there's already a bunch on the campground at Rogers Campground. More coming up. All right, Free Talk Live. Got some good news about the phone number. The 603 line is back. Yay! That's why the 202 number wasn't working earlier. Uh, I'd gotten information from our voice over IP provider that they were in the process of, like, they had actually gotten the number, we ported it over, and it was supposed to happen sometime today. I guess it happened right before the show, even though I haven't gotten the official word. We did just test out the old 603 number, and it's back, so 603-283-6160. If you've been trying to call the other number, the 202 number, it's not going to work. That number has been replaced completely by this 603 number. So I'm so much, I'm glad about that. I don't want to have a DC uh, area code. I want to have a New Hampshire area code. And we used to have a toll free number, but honestly, we don't have fewer calls on a long distance number because I don't think anyone pays for long distance anymore. I mean, unless you have like a really old landline phone or something, every cell phone plan basically includes free long distance. I mean, You've probably never paid for long distance in your life, have you, Bonnie? Not that I know of. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's like a concept that is is going to be lost to the past, and I think that's a good thing. So, you can join the show. We've been talking about anxiety and depression, and uh, the number here is 603-283-6160. Look, depression, as you pointed out, Bonnie, is a thing that I think all humans go through at some point in their lives. We We've all had... I mean, if you've been around for long enough, you've had some sort of bad thing happen to you or a loved one that can throw you for a loop and put you into a real negative place mentally. If you live in America, you probably um, like suffer from depression from just the fact that you're literally a slave and you don't make as much money as you should be making. Maybe they don't realize that's the reason why their depression exists. But yeah, if, if you're barely making ends meet, I could see that as being a pretty frustrating situation. Like 90% of your money is going into taxes, whether you realize it or not. And those taxes are going to bomb uh, innocent, peaceful people all around the world. That's a pretty depressing thing. I mean, there's there's a a lot you can be depressed about. People gaslighting you on the news about, um, you know, the fact that your country is actually the best in the world and 
literally treats you and the rest of the world like crap. So there are a lot of excuses to be depressed. And ultimately, I think we were both in agreement that, you know, I don't want to speak for you, but that we think that it's mental, that it's something that you can just make a decision. Now, it may not be an easy decision to make, especially if you've been programmed with the idea that you have some sort of imbalance, that it's a chemical thing. And look, I don't want to deny that that could be true for somebody out there. Like maybe that really is true that there are people out there who just cannot decide to be different about this but i don't think that's the the majority of them me either at all and i don't think that i don't i think there are some of them that do it for attention that that whether they do it consciously for attention or not that's ultimately what they get out of it right like if they say they're anxious or they say they're they're depressed you can't deny that that's um you know a a stimulant a a rewarding thing that would that some people would get out Mm -hmm. of their behavior like some people like with BPD um, borderline personality disorder yeah mm-hmm. they can't like accept that things are not that that the bad things happening in their lives are their fault and mm. you know they they want to keep going into this bad um same cycle over and over and uh like if they're getting attention for their bad behavior even though it's bad it's still it encourages know, that it's an encouraging thing for them like bad behavior right i mean that's ultimately what children do yeah, right. that's what like BPD basically is, like an eternal child. An adult child. Yeah. Somebody who acts out because they know mom or dad is going to baby them or pay attention to them if they, they're acting out. Yeah, I know somebody in my my life with that, so that's why I'm talking about it. Yeah. So, uh, so again, going back to the idea that uh, depression can actually be cured by a placebo suggests strongly that depression is all in your head. So we go back to this story about these college students who the study at uh, Dartmouth University that they did over the last year looking actually not just the last year. They started looking at the students in 2017. So when they first came to college, they were freshmen. They looked at them every single year. They have them carrying around a tracking device uh, their own in this case, their phone, but with a specific app on it that the uh, the Dartmouth College the guy that did the study created called student life or he helped develop this it sits in the background of your phone collecting information about where you are what you're doing on your phone you know how often how many minutes or whatever seconds that you're spending on your phone every day the amount of sleep that you're getting and generally how sedentary the person is and the phone of course can easily track this it's got gyroscopes and compasses and you know movement sensors so it's easy to do They compared the data that they received with the general public's online search habits, found that students reported higher levels of stress as people were seeking information about COVID fatigue. Quote, interest in COVID fatigue is a unique tool that allows us to understand how the quote-unquote new normal may be associated with poor mental health outcomes, said Dante Mack, the first author of the study. Campbell and Jeremy Huckins, a lecturer on psychological and brain sciences, said they noticed the beginnings of a behavioral shift last spring. Early findings published in June of last year saw students were more sedentary and visited fewer locations because in many cases they weren't allowed to go to most places uh, than previously. An indication that they followed shelter-in-place guidelines implemented by state and local governments and their own college. Rates of anxiety and depression soared during the spring break of 2020, a time of year when students usually sleep more and report low levels of stress. Campbell and Huckins found these levels have yet to return to pre-pandemic normal, according to researchers. 
Before the pandemic set in, some students definitely were depressed or anxious, but on average, students weren't scoring high on either of these metrics. We have these massive changes in mental health and behavior due to COVID. We've never seen anything like that. No, let's blame what actually needs to be blamed. The government. It's the state and these state schools, these government systems and government schools, they are the ones who told people how to live. And also the obedience of people, of course. The people have been trained to do what they're told, have been trained to go along to get along. And so they obediently went along with whatever stupid restrictions were put on them, these arbitrary controls over their lives. And surprise, suicides are up. And that's why like non-coercion is so important because the real imbalance in these people's lives is the their imbalance of just the freedom to do whatever they want to do with their lives that would make them happy Mm -hmm. so that's why i brought up the government earlier like people need to get out of this system first of all to decide to be happy you can't live in a system where you literally are a slave to a war machine and just expect to never be depressed and oh well i'm just going to take a pill that will make me like a zombie and accept my fate as a slave to a war machine just start buying bitcoin that's right out taking a pill to make yourself feel like like you just described i mean that's right out of you know historic fiction like uh I guess 1984 didn't really have that. I guess they had the gin, right? We just finished. Yeah, gin. We just finished listening to uh, to 1984, and then um, Aldous Huxley. Yeah, Brave New World. Brave New World. It was Soma was mm. the pill that uh, the people were on to keep them happy. There's one in The Giver too, which we have uh, have yet to watch. Um, anyway, going on, we have these massive changes. He says due to COVID. No, it's due to the crackdowns, and it's due to people's obedience. The research comes after a difficult year on the Dartmouth campus. Four Dartmouth students died this school year, devastating the campus. No, they don't say how they died. Was it suicide? Because it certainly doesn't seem like that it was COVID. Like, if it was COVID, they would say, due to COVID, they, mm-hmm. they died because of COVID. No, they're not saying that. Devastating the campus of more than 4,400 undergraduates and sparking outrage among those who say the school's inadequate mental health resources are partially to blame. And here we go. Wow, that makes it sound more like it was suicide. Yeah, they actually get into it here. First-year student Bo Debray, there for his first year, died by suicide in November. Another freshman, Connor Tiffany, died, quote, unexpectedly in March. School officials said Elizabeth Reimer, also a freshman, died at her home in Holtzville, New York. And finally, junior Lamise Karem or Kareem died in April following complications with a medical condition unrelated to coronavirus. According to the college president, the college did not say how the other students died. Last month, several graffitied messages admonishing the administration's handling of what students have called a mental health crisis were found in three different locations on the campus, including the president's driveway. I would agree that they don't need to be doing things to make the the customers, a.k.a. the students at their schools, lives more miserable, and they don't need to be doing things to cause them to have bad met- mental health, but also you shouldn't be um, outsourcing your you know, m- mental health hygiene to your college. That's so silly. Well, to expect that uh, they are going to help you when you're, in, when you're in need. Uh, I mean, these are the people who are telling you to put masks on. These are the people who are telling you to be obedient. And to not be social. The idea that they're going to all of a sudden be able to help you if you're feeling down and out, if you're feeling depressed, these are not the right people to turn to. I mean, if they put you on a pill, that's not going to make your life better. 
in my opinion. Your thoughts are welcome, though. Back to the old call-in line. 603-283-6160. Give that a shot here tonight. We did test it just a moment ago. It seemed like it was working. 603-283-6160. So that's in the news. And then related, these vaccinated people, some of them are still, quote, nervous, speaking of anxious people, about going back to normal. We can talk about that on the way. It's Free Talk Live. Hour two's next. Carl Watner, longtime proponent of a voluntary society, died last December. You may have seen his articles published on his website, voluntarius.com, in his newsletter, The Voluntarist, The Mises Institute, or elsewhere over the last 40 years. His newest book, I Must Speak Out, Volume 2, The Best of the Voluntarist, is now available via Liberty Under Attack Publications. This 430-page second volume spans the years of 2000 through 2020 and includes articles by Carl Watner, Hans Hermann Hoppe, Carl Hess, Benjamin Tucker, George H. Smith, Lysander Spooner, Pete Ayer, Joyce Brand, and many others. I Must Speak Out is for the newly initiated, the veteran voluntarist, or anywhere in between. Buy the book now at libertyunderattack.com slash voluntarist. For more great content on building a voluntary society and for Carl's extensive archives, check out voluntarist.com. is free talk live we are back to the old phone number after having to switch a couple of weeks ago or maybe it was only like a week or so ago the 202 number we had that is no longer working you can now go back to the previous one 603-283-6160 and thanks for bearing with us on these changes that's 603-283-6160 here in the studio in beautiful Keene, new hampshire it's ian and bonnie and at some point here tonight, we are expecting to get an update from the campground over at Rogers Campground. Beautiful, beautiful location. I wish I could go uh, this year. Unfortunately, I am restricted from leaving the home. I, I can leave with permission of my probation officer, which is a funny thing to have as someone who's not been convicted of anything. But nonetheless, I'm here with an ankle monitor. On it's just my- home detention. Just like they told me when I asked, why am I being uh, handcuffed the day of the raid? I was like, why am I being handcuffed? Am I being arrested? They said, you're being detained. Just detained. So that way we can make sure that nothing in the house is going to hurt us. Right. Because they are afraid. They believe that everybody is as violent as they are. And that's what they expect. They expect to encounter violence, and so they act very, very cautiously. Um, not to, you know, I don't want to dwell on that or, or harp on what happened on on the 16th. But that's the reason why we're not there. That's the reason why you and I, who, you who has never been to a Porcupine Freedom Festival or Fork Fest, which I was is, really excited. Yeah, and I was too to uh, to be there with you. The federal government has ruined that. But I am also liking our staycation for sure. Um, and, you know, there's there's still a small chance I might be able to go up for like a day. But that's only if the magistrate in the case rules that I can actually see and speak to Aria Demetso, who is the person who is leading the show uh, from the campground. And due to technical difficulties, they were unable to, to to produce the show there today. So that's why we're here. The phones are open. We're here live, 603-283-6160. And hopefully we'll hear from somebody on the campground and get an update. Did on... you tell Matt that the number changed? No, I'm trying to get him to call in through the, the SIP method just so it'll sound better. But 
it's not an easy process necessarily to get through. There's there's a bunch of hoops to jump through. So I'm seeing how many hoops he's willing to try to jump through before he gets frustrated and just, you know, I give, I'll give him the phone number then. <laughs> he can oh call gosh. in. Uh, so anyway, we're talking about anxiety and depression, which thankfully you and I don't have a problem with, uh, Bonnie. You know, we we are of the belief that this is for most people that claim to have these things in their head. It's something that they can beat if they change their mindset about it. And if it started in your childhood, it like it is doesn't make it any less. Um, I mean, it makes it harder to think that you can get out of it. But I promise you, you still can. If it started in your childhood, it's probably your parents. It's probably your who parents' fault. Taught you really negative modes of belief. They are probably the people who put this these ideas into your head. Taught you you weren't smart enough to figure out how to do something scary or big or challenging or whatever it is or or you know didn't tell you differently when you had these ideas about anxiety or depression they didn't tell you oh well, that's bs you know, you can start thinking differently wake up in the morning make a decision now to think more positively and um and again there's evidence that uh, depression can be solved by a placebo have you heard so. about toxic positivity yeah can you define so, it it's the new attack on men positive mental health mm. by the people who are supposedly mental health experts. It's right. people trying to say like, oh, there are just people out there who are trying to tell you, just be positive, it'll solve all your problems, and that's toxic. Well, it's also false. I mean, being positive will not solve all of your problems, right. yeah. but it will make your life better. And if you are positive, and, and that I've heard this for a long time, I never heard the term toxic positivity, but one of our other co-hosts, uh, he's not been on in a while, but uh, Johnson, he's... He's like a skeptic. Uh, it's sort of like the belief system that that he has, if you can call it a belief system. But you know, he's a skeptic, and so when it comes to positivity, he has all this evidence that like negativity is good for you, and that negativity uh, makes you live longer. And like he's he's gotten all kinds of things that have like backed him up that being negative uh, is a good thing. So you know, the people that are attacking those who are making an effort to be more positive, I have to wonder about them. You know what? Are they just trying to, you know, justify their own negativity about their own life in that way? Because I've been somebody who's believed in thinking positively for, I don't know, the last 20 years of my life at least. And all you do is win. No, that's not true. I mean, yes, it is. I wouldn't say that. I mean, in the long run, yes. I mean, in the in the long run, I think that even a, a quote unquote loss has lessons within it and that it is a, uh, a, a an experience of growth. I mean, I've been to jail on more than one occasion for doing things like civil disobedience. Uh, I've lost those court cases. So, I mean, are those wins from the small perspective of looking at it in the moment? It doesn't feel like a win when you get found guilty or whatever and you have to go into a cage. Uh, but is it a, an experience from which you can grow? Yeah, it is. If that's the experience that you want to have. And so that's what happened when I was first sent to jail for standing in front of a police cruiser back in... A decade ago, it was 2011, I think, when I was finally sentenced for that. Uh, it happened in 2010. When I was first sent to jail for that, my thought was, I'm going to make this the most positive experience that I can possibly have. Because I knew that a lot of people had a really negative experience in jail. That they went into it with a lot of fear. That they were afraid of what might happen to them. That there might be somebody mean to them or whatever. The guards would be abusive or whatever it was that they were afraid of. There's a lot of stories about jail. They're scared straight and you know all this, all this negative, negative stuff. And I'm not saying bad experiences don't happen to people. But if you come at bad experiences from a positive perspective, 
you're more likely to see the good in them. You're more likely to see how you benefited from having that experience. And it's the same way of like when you, um, it's just when you think about certain people, like they show up in your life, when you think about a, a car, you know, let's say you just get a new car that's a certain type of, or, or a new car to you, used car, whatever, you get a new vehicle in your life and then all of a sudden you see it everywhere. Have yeah. you noticed this? Yeah. Like this used to happen to me or this started happening to me with a friend. Like he had one of these uh, Dodge Nitros. It's these tiny little cars. Mm. I think it was a Dodge Nitro. Dang it. Now I don't know for sure. But I had never heard of it. It was a super tiny car. Anytime he was driving on the highway, it was kind of like scary because I just felt like I was such a tiny car. Like a European kind of car. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 80 miles an hour. And uh, then all of a sudden I would see them all the time. I'd be like, there's another one. There's another one. Yeah, and I had never heard of them before that. They were there. It's just that your consciousness was attuned to them. And that same thing happens when you are more positive. You're tuning your your awareness, your consciousness into positivity. You're more likely to see positive things happen. You're more likely to see positive aspects in people. This is one of the sort of uh, gratitude experiments that you can do is... We all have people that we don't get along with, right? Like, that's just life. There's just going to be people that rub you the wrong way. They don't appreciate you. You don't get along with them or whatever. But if you can make, whether it be a coworker or a neighbor or, you know, family member, um, if you can make the conscious effort to see the positive in that person, find it. You know, if it's not immediately apparent, find positive things about them and be aware of those things about that person. I've definitely done that with coworkers. Like, just told myself, I'm going to have, I'm going to have a positive experience with whoever today because I just like it was ruining my life, not hers. That she was annoying me, mm-hmm. and then it just all of a sudden you start to actually like being around them. It changes your perspective, and ultimately, that's all that you can control. You can't control what the other people think. But in, I remember the story. I think I remember the story you were talking about. The you were working at a hotel. There was somebody you didn't get along with. You changed your attitude about that person, and all of a sudden you started becoming more friendly with that. Or the, like there was a more. And now I love her. Yeah, you had you completely changed the relationship. Yeah. I mean, that to me is an incredible success story about the power of positivity. What could someone look at that and say? Oh, well, that's toxic. I don't know. It's literally just an attack on people having positive mental health. It's just these experts in Mm -hmm. colleges who decide, uh, you know, decide to tell people what is right and wrong about mental health instead of, you know, like, honestly, like, I don't go to the doctor when I feel sad. That's weird to me. Like, everything that I think about mental health is just kind of a... um, trial and error thing it comes from within you whatever the solution is it's not going to be a pill you know whatever that pill's doing it's just going to cover up it's going to paper over the whatever it is that's inside of you from which these feelings are coming you've got to solve whatever it is inside of you before you're going to have a better experience outside be uh, be the change you wish to see in the world as uh, as gandhi would say 603-283-6160 that's our number here and you can join us live on free talk live It is Free Talk Live. You can join us here. The phone lines, 
603-283-6160. The old number's back, and it's working, and hopefully it'll work better than ever. We're hoping. We're still testing it. In fact, we actually have somebody on those lines right now calling from Rogers Campground. We're going to tell you more about that. I uh, also want to say thank you to Dan Kraftsig. He is a Free Talk Live gold amplifier. Dan contributes 10 bucks a month to the AMP program at amp.freetalklive.com. It's amp.freetalklive.com, and that is a way for you to help us advertise, market, and promote Free Talk Live to help us get on more radio stations. We've got about 185 stations across the country that air the show at various different times throughout the week. And I don't just mean across the country. We, I mean as far out as Guam. We are on in Guam as well. So, uh, and jo- on satellite all the way into Africa. That's true as well. Yeah, free-to-air satellite. Uh, so go to amp.freetalklive.com. You can get signed up with credit card, with PayPal, and technically Bitcoin, even though I can't receive those payments. So you probably shouldn't do the Bitcoin. Uh, do a credit card or PayPal. I over- thought Mark can do it. Mark can't really do much of, of anything when it comes to techno- technology. <laughs> so amp.freetalklive.com will uh, will let you become an amplifier, just like Dan. He did gold level. That's 10 bucks a month. We only ask for five. So I appreciate it, Dan. Thank you for the extra there. And thanks for supporting Free Talk Live. Uh, Matt is with us, our Thursday night co-host. Uh, he's actually out at the campground. You arrived last night, which would have been the, uh, the eve of the Porcupine Freedom Festival. Matt, welcome uh, to the show. Hi, thank you, thank you. Yeah, we got here last night about uh, 10, 30, 11 o'clock. It was about 70 beautiful degrees outside, wow. uh, a little bit humid, a little tough to sleep because it was a little warm, but um, the weather today was absolutely gorgeous all day long, and nice. we just went through a brutal thunder and lightning storm with a lot of wind. <laughs> wow. It seems to have went up now, and we're doing good. Yeah, that happens up there. I mean, the the weather can change in just a few moments, but most of the time... You know, this is the first week, official week of summer, right? This is a good time to uh, to get up to the North Country in New Hampshire. Most of the time, most years, you get mostly sunny weather, but every now and then, rains uh, will come through and it cools things down. And it's always it's always welcome. I bet it's uh, beautiful. It really is. To be in the mountains yeah, it's, when it's, it's raining. Yeah, we're doing pretty well right now. Now, the Porcupine Freedom Festival is in a, a festival that's gone on since 2003, and it actually started at Rogers Campground way back when. Um, and it was called something else back in the original days. I think it was called like Escape to New Hampshire or something like that. And then they changed the name to the Porcupine Freedom Festival. It left Rogers for a couple of years and it was actually held for whatever reason. They held it at like a state run campground for two years and then they finally went back to Rogers. Thank goodness. Yeah, that was Gunstock, right? That's right. Yep. And yeah. Rogers Campground in Lancaster, New Hampshire is the largest campground in the entire landmass of New Hampshire. This is the biggest one. And it sold out this year for the very first time ever in the history of the Porcupine Freedom Festival. What are you seeing on day number one, Matt, as far as you've been to a lot of these festivals uh, with Mm -hmm. me and others over the years? You know what day number one is like. It's the slowest day. The festival builds up toward the end of the week. What are you seeing out there? Yeah, I'm looking at a Thursday crowd right now. It's amazing. uh, We we usually wouldn't see this many people until Thursday of the week. And uh, it's, it's Monday. So there's a lot of people here already, a lot of people here already. It's pretty crazy. What kind of events have been going on? Um, I haven't really done any events, honestly, because I've been trying to set up a site and, you know, just get my tent and 
everything put up and the air mattress and the furniture blown up and get the uh, canopy squared away, everything tied down. It's supposed to rain today, so I want to make sure everything is kind of tethered down to the ground really well. So. Yeah, Monday, been, of course, uh, is the arrival day for – it's the official first day. You know, they're probably yeah. still putting up uh, a lot of tents all around the campground. But nonetheless, some people do come prepared. They show up over the weekend, and they get set up to where they're – I heard that uh, Kirby's Q, which is a local barbecue place that's run by Free State Project uh, early movers, they're a regular uh-huh. there. I heard they were selling breakfast this morning. They were. They were. I stopped and talked to Carol and Ken today. Um they actually have two tents up today. Well, one tent and their barbecue trailer. So they've got their barbecue trailer that they have every year. Nice. And they have the uh, they have some uh, um, preserved foods and things set up that they've made too. And they've got that whole tent set up on the other side of the camera. I've heard from good There's, sources that Carolyn's the best cook on earth. Ooh, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of good cooks at uh, at this event. There's there, there are a lot of good cooks up there, but Kirby's Q is definitely uh, solid. Uh, Little Zoe's is all, is also here too. They're going to oh, be here nice. all week. Nice. Uh, so, I mean, are people taking cryptocurrency? Are you seeing that amongst the vendors oh, this yeah. year? Yep. And uh, the most exciting part about that to me is that this will be the first time that a lot of uh, the festival attendees will actually have real-life um, use experience with crypto. Right, because there's so many people that are going to be showing up this year. They've never been to New Hampshire before. Uh, that means they probably have never spent cryptocurrency before. Even online, a lot of people have just bought crypto and they've never done anything except held on to it. Uh, that, this right. is going to change that. The Porcupine Freedom Festival was the first place on the planet where there's really like a cryptocurrency community that, that rises yeah. up. Yeah, we were, we were technically the first economy for crypto in the world. Yeah, and that goes back to like 2011 or 2012. I forget which year it was. It was one of those years where people like Roger Veer, Bitcoin Jesus, uh, this is, that's yeah. AKA Bitcoin Jesus, uh, Eric yeah. Voorhees. I'm, I'm, so we have a lot of stories. I, I, I know one particular story of one person who uh, apparently spent 24 Casatius coins. Those are physical Bitcoins that are worth about three times as much as a regular Bitcoin. Yeah, like the one they st- uh, FBI stole from the uh, the studio yeah, safe. Stole, stole from you, yeah. yeah. And, and uh but uh, I remember back uh, back then, somebody spent 24 of those for two tacos. Wow. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. So those are a couple of really expensive tacos these days. Now, oh my God. So, last year, uh, the new thing at the Porcupine Freedom Festival and the subsequent festival, which happens the week afterwards called Fork Fest, was Goldbacks. And I actually just got a text message, I don't know, a half hour ago. Some of the guys from Goldback have traveled all the way from Utah. They they called me on a, a, a Utah cell phone, and they're driving up there right now. They're probably going to be pulling into the park within uh, within a few minutes. Oh, cool! Yeah, so those, guys, those are those people and their product are outstanding. Yeah, I wish I could be up there to to meet them. Uh, from what I understand, they may be setting up on the Free Talk Live site at RV46, or if there's not enough room, I think you actually invited them to your site there. Was it 48? Yeah, well, RV48? I'm only at RV48. I'm only two doors down from RV46. Yeah, so, so I uh, gave them your phone number, and uh, they've got Aria's okay. contact info. So like I said, they might be pulling in in the middle of the night uh, or the evening here, but it'll be great to have them at this event because last year, Goldbacks were a huge hit considering they'd never been even heard of before by most of the people on the campground and on almost every vendor was readily accepting them. They're so, so pretty and cool. Yeah, I, what's that, Bonnie? Oh, they're so pretty and cool. When you first see them, you just want to know what they are. They are pretty and cool. They are very, very interesting. In fact, the uh, one of the uh, agents when they raided the uh, Free Talk Live studios had a ton of questions about them, and he was interested in them 
I felt he was interested in them not for professional reasons, but for personal reasons. I think he was uh, wanted to know where he could get some, to be honest with you. I explained that they were a measured amount of gold sprayed on the back of a piece of polymer, roughly shaped like a bill. And uh, Are you going to be taking them at your booth? I know you're planning on selling chili, right? I didn't get time to cook anything. <gasps> I was going to... But I didn't bring any cash, so if I'm going to be doing any business here at Portfest, it's going to be in cryptocurrency. And if people aren't accepting it, then I'm not doing business with them. All right, man. Hey, uh, thanks for calling with the update here tonight, and have fun up there. More Free Talk Live is on the way. Do you feel like your country no longer holds your values? Have you dreamt of a place where liberty-minded people can come together and leave government overreach behind? There are many people just like you that are discovering FreePrivateCities.com. They start at FreePrivateCities.com and connect via the social media links shown there. All skills will be needed when the first of the Free Private Cities open. It's sooner than you think. Stop arguing and build FreePrivateCities.com. FreePrivateCities.com. It's Free Talk Live, the phone number here to join us on the radio. Bring up what you want. It's 603-283-6160. So glad to have that number back. That's 603-283-6160. And unfortunately, you and I, Bonnie, we are stuck here in Keene, New Hampshire for the next two weeks. Uh... Because, well, I'm on restricted bail conditions. You're not, but you want to hang out with me, so I appreciate you for that. So thank you. And I get to have you all to myself. Indeed. And coconut, too. You and coconut. Uh, But uh, but it would be great to be up there, and it sounds like it's already a record-setting year with, uh, as Matt, who is our co-host, was just on the phone with us at the Porcupine Freedom Festival on day number one, describing this, uh, the number of people that are there as like a normal Thursday turnout for Monday. So... You know, whatever have what always happens at the Porcupine Freedom Festival is some people can't come up for all seven days of it. So, like, if you, if all you can get off is your weekend or whatever, then a lot of people start coming up on Thursday and Friday, and you know, then of course the event peaks on Saturday, and then some people go home Sunday. Some stay on to attend Fork Fest, which is happening this year. It's the week after the Porcupine Freedom Festival. You can go to ForkFest.Party to learn more about the event. Somebody else actually launched another ForkFest website this year for the first time called ForkFest.Com, which actually has an interactive map where you can find out where people are at, like where the food vendors are and where people are going to be doing whatever sort of vending or partying or whatever it is they want to put on that map, which is a really cool addition uh, to ForkFest this year. And that map, I believe, is active through the Porcupine Freedom Festival as well. So go to ForkFest.Party to learn more about ForkFest. It's going to happen from June 28th through July 4th, 4th. this year. Uh, believe that the fireworks that the park does is going to be on July 3rd this year. So yeah, does, like the night of. Correct. It doesn't always happen on the 4th due to the 4th not always being on a Saturday. But as close to the 4th as they can get it, that's when they do uh, their fireworks on that closest Saturday so if you can't make it to the Porcupine Freedom Festival, because, again, it's a sold-out event. So if, if you don't have your ticket now, the only way you can get a ticket is if somebody else can't go and wants to sell it to you. Yeah, apparently Angie said there's a Telegram group. I don't know what the group is called, but there's a Telegram group where people are selling Pork Fest tickets. As I understand it, uh, the Porcupine Freedom Festival this year has made a move onto Telegram like never before. Um, it used to be that they had... 
like a sort of a proprietary piece of software that was like an events managing kind of software. And I think they got rid of that this year. Sounds and, dumb. Hmm? Sounds dumb. It was actually pretty decent. It was called Whova. And for what it did, it did a good job. But from what I understand, it was probably an expensive thing. But what do you mean proprietary? Like you have to have a certain phone? No, it would work for any phone. But it was, I mean, Telegram's technically proprietary, although it is open source and it's client end. But Whova is like, you know, it's a closed source thing. They own the app, this company, and you have to pay to be on the app. So you have to pay them to have your event on their app basically and it makes it easy for people to connect and you know have an event schedule and things like that so i think i think it was a good app but i don't know what they charge aria and i actually tried to look into it last year uh for fork fest we wanted to find out like you know what does it cost to get into this thing get on this app we wanted to get fork fest on there for instance and it was one of those things where you couldn't find the price on their website you had to like call and talk to one of their salespeople, and then they pitch you on it and then you know it's per user you're probably paying or whatever it's it, it was likely a very, very expensive app. So uh, the Porcupine Freedom Festival with their new organizer this year, Dennis, uh, he just he embraced Telegram and they've created like official Porcupine Freedom Festival Telegram chat. So I think if you if you like go to porkfest.com, there may be a way to connect and find out where those channels are. But like, you know, you and I aren't going, so we're not on there and I'm not even allowed to use Telegram under my uh, my bail restrictions. So that's happening right now. If you can't get to the Porcupine Freedom Festival, come to Fork Fest. I mean, that's it's essentially it's an event that sort of sprung out of the Porcupine Freedom Festival. That's why it's called Fork Fest. It was a fork, if you will, of the uh, the Porcupine Freedom Festival, and so it happens the week after. It it includes a lot of the same people, a lot of people who are like, you know what, I'd I'd rather be here for two weeks rather than one. They stay on after the Porcupine Freedom Festival and they stay another week. Now, some people actually come just for Fork Fest. So what will happen this weekend is the Porcupine Freedom Festival will will sort of wind down on Sunday. Some people who have to go back to work or only plan to be here for a week, they got to leave. So they pack up their campsites and they take off. And then some people who, again, could only get a week off, they wanted to come to ForkFest because they prefer the more decentralized approach because ForkFest has no organizer. There's no one deciding what goes on. Every individual who attends the event makes their own decision as to what to do or what to provide as far as services or food or whatever it is they want to do. And so every individual sort of decides at ForkFest. So it's a kind of a different vibe. And so some people just want to come up for that. So then next Monday, we'll see, again, numbers will go down likely at the end of the Porcupine Freedom Festival somewhat, and then they'll come back up a little bit more uh, during ForkFest. Now, odds are ForkFest is probably not going to be sold out. The, from what I understand, not only is the Porcupine Freedom Festival sold out of tickets, like 3,000 tickets got sold, which is almost twice what their biggest year was previously. They had like a 1,700-person year at their peak in, I don't know, 2014 or so. And so this is way bigger than that. The entire campground is sold out. Every campsite, every RV site, every How many people? How many tickets? 3,000 people. Hmm. That would make this event, I think, probably, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong on this, somebody out there, 603-283-6160, that may make the Porcupine Freedom Festival the biggest libertarian event or voluntarist or anarchist, whatever you want to call it, libertarian event in America, hands down. I mean, that's like a huge high school. Imagine just everyone at a huge, like, inner city high school. 
That's a lot of people. Yeah, it's a ton of people, and a lot of them are going to be there for the very first time ever. They've never come to New Hampshire before because all of a sudden, 2020, with the whole COVID crackdown, that brought it home to a lot of libertarians. Like, hey, it's time to start thinking about making a move. It's time to start. Look, your government, these government gangsters. They're Texas. Texas, you know, you name it. There's a ton of places across the country that were total crackdown places and or mostly total crackdown, uh, you know, places. And people finally, now that they've been freed from a lot of their jobs that, you know, you can work remotely. That was, of course, a big reason for people staying where they were. Well, it's my job. I've got a job here. We heard about someone yesterday who's moving up here now because of um, during COVID, he got to start working remotely. It's perfect. Yep. Good excuse. Now, is he already here or is he uh, coming? He's here. Okay, great. Because there's a lot of people that actually do make the move this week. Like, they pack their car up with whatever belongs. They sold a bunch of their stuff in their house, pack up whatever's left, make the move during the Porkfest week, make the move during the Forkfest week coming up, and then they never leave and they stay here. So I think we're going to see record numbers. We saw record numbers of Free State Project movers last year. I think we're going to break that number this year, and I hope that we smash through it with more liberty-minded activists, people coming up here to make a better life for themselves. I mean, aside from the federal government um, smashing in our windows back in March, uh, Bonnie, how's your move been so far? Um, It's been amazing because... I mean, it's not that I didn't have a lot of friends in San Antonio. I had a lot of friends there and I had fun there, but my life just felt a lot more like kind of uh, just like going through the motions and like I felt like my life was just more like pointless there. Like I was making Mm -hmm. money for me and Coconut to survive and then having fun with my friends when I wasn't working. But now it's like all my friends here really believe in something important. And the the stuff I do for like the church is really feels important to me. I don't Mm -hmm. think that I'm just like eating pizza to survive to the next day so I can so go can do Uber. Uber Eats. Yeah. yeah, I love it. And I love that I just feel this like immense love for my friends up here because they're just people who really understand, like they value the same things I do. Like Chris mm-hmm. Wade, I love him so much. I, I just like, I've become really good friends with Chris, Chris Wade ever since he was here recording in the morning while we were being attacked by the government on March 16th. When he recorded video outside at six in the morning, yeah. he came out here. Uh, yeah, what a I mean, gesture. Yeah, the people up here are outstanding, and you'll get, a, you'll get a taste of that if you're at the Porcupine Freedom Festival. If you've never been around more than two or ten libertarians, well, now you can be around 3,000 of them, and there are going to be people who you really get along with, and it's going to be a great time. So uh, go to porkfest.com, P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T.com to learn more about that event. This is Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live. The number here is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. In the studio with you tonight, it's Ian. And Bonnie. We'll take your calls, your thoughts about what you want. Coming up, Bonnie, you've got kind of a related story to what we've been talking about with uh, college students being even more anxious and depressed. Suicidal. Yeah, screwed up suicidal as a result of uh, the COVID restrictions. Uh, you've got something about stay-at-home orders backfiring on people. Weepily. Oh, yeah. We'll get into that. Uh, your calls and thoughts certainly welcome. We also uh, got a check-in from one of our co-hosts, 
at the Porcupine Freedom Festival that just kicked off today. It sounds like it's going to be an epic week up there. Lots of great speeches. You can get a, a list of things that are going on. Just go to the uh, the Porkfest website, P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T, porkfest.com. And uh, join if you can, if you can get one of the uh, secondhand tickets, because that's the only way you're going to be able to get them at this point. If not, go on up to Forkfest the week after and enjoy, you know, sort of a, a more toned down, but yet still a lot of fun event. Party event. Yeah, it's more of a party. Uh, good people at both of these events. Let's go to your calls and thoughts here. Mike is on the line listening to WOCA there in o- Ocala. Go ahead, Mike. Hey, Bonnie. Hey, Ian. Yeah, Ian, hey. with your restrictions. With with your restrictions and stuff, I had a idea, a bug to put in your your ear re- regarding the um, fork fest and all that. I didn't know what you could and could not do, but I had an idea. The drone would be too expensive and maybe too dangerous. But uh, how about taking a, a burner phone um, and then put it on a remote control vehicle and run around the campground, and you can be sitting there watching and talking to people, and it wouldn't be the same thing by any means but just a just an idea to throw out there that's an that's an interesting idea there was actually something that happened similar to this uh years ago was i don't know 2014 or 2015 i was at a bitcoin conference and we we broadcast from a number of these bitcoin conferences over the years and roger veer who's a longtime sponsor here on free talk live he um he renounced citizenship from the United States because the government just kept on coming after him, trying to put him in prison uh, for things like you know importing fireworks and other you know victimless crimes. And so he right. de- he decided he was he was going to leave, and he did. And uh, he's been living you know living the good life in places like Japan and Antigua and and elsewhere ever since. But he wanted to appear at this Bitcoin conference, so they set up like a. I don't know if it was like a Segway or something like that. You guys remember the the like the single person mobile units that have wheels on them? They're like battery operated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So they set up like a Segway with a uh, like a tablet on it, and so Roger was able to remote control the Segway device from wherever you know Japan or wherever he happened to be at the moment, and it had his face live video feed of him on the tablet so he literally there was like literally a robo roger uh (laughs) driving around uh this this convention now of course it was a convention so it's inside a hotel where you've got nice flat floors it's easy to move something like that around it'd be a little more challenging at uh at roger's campground where let's just say the uh the roads aren't in the best shape when it comes to getting from campsite to campsite because uh generally you know it's hard to keep roads in good condition in a cold place like new hampshire and and so there's all kinds of like what they call up here frost heaves, heaves. yeah. So yeah, well, I was just uh, something just th- thrown out there because I didn't know what your restrictions in- entailed or what have you, and that's why I thought the cheaper version, my idea, would be like a little remote control. Um, I think it's a great idea. People would love it. Um, I, I, I obviously still have plenty of things to do here at the studio. We, we've got to provide broadcast support for for our oh, team that's okay. up there. But hey, Mike, anything else you want to comment on tonight? Just appreciate what y'all y'all do, and uh, I, I like how you approach life um, and the the, not, the non-aggression principle, and how you've dealt with things, even personally, not just this recent thing, but even before then, how you would communicate how to how to um, not only deal with life, but how to to present your your, your ideas in a non-aggressive way or retaliatory way. Love it. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate your time. 
and thanks for calling tonight. The number, if you want to join us here, 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. I love it too, and it's it's really, really a discipline to live your life like that. I don't, I can't even say that I really live my life like that, but Ian does, and it's hard to always check yourself when you're being angry or, you know, annoyed with the state. It can always come back to bite you if you're annoyed with the state, even if you're completely in the right, like we saw it happen to nobody. Mm. He was upset because he was being held in a cage 23 hours a day for no actual crime. And he had a public defender lawyer who wouldn't talk to him for two weeks. Oh, my God. And then, oh, he made a big crime of complaining about the people doing this to him. And they're using that as an excuse, his words during that time, as an excuse to hold him in longer trying to claim that he's a violent person when he's never been violent in 52 years. Yeah, well, he did say some things that weren't that different from some of the things he said on the air, um, sadly. But And it's something I've been I've been arguing with him about for, for the last, I don't know, year or two, maybe, it seems like, at, at this point. But words are not, words are not violence. No, they're not. Um, but unfortunately, they will interpret them as encouraging. That's what they would Violence? do. Yeah. I just don't think that there should be a system that can put you in a cage for words that you speak. Oh, I totally agree with you there. And I think nobody should be out. I think that, And I think that even if he hadn't said those things, I think they still would have denied him bail in the same way that they denied me bail. And I didn't say any of those things. But uh, just because it's no skin off the magistrate's back to deny somebody bail. she's no, Even if she gets overturned, which she was in my case. So the magistrate's the first judge, quote unquote, judge that hears that here's a bail hearing she says no to bail well if she gets overturned by the next judge she doesn't get like her pay docked or anything like that there's not like a she doesn't get a public flogging you know there's nothing bad that happens to her as a result of that it's just oh i got overturned you know she doesn't she she has no penalty whatsoever for making the decision to keep somebody in a cage she gets to go home and sleep in her own bed at five o'clock p.m that night well why wouldn't she she's she's there to back the state and so hopefully nobody is nobody is in the process of appealing, from what I understand. By the way, that's our co-host we're referring to here. Oh, yeah. Uh, who's still in a cage after six of uh, the Liberty activists were arrested, the Crypto Six. You can go to thecrypto6.com to learn more about that. He's the only one of the six that's still in a cage uh, today. You can reach directly out to him. I'm sure he'd appreciate hearing from you. If you enjoyed him being on the show and you want to comment to him about you know whatever you feel like talking to him about, he's... Got all kinds of time on his hands. So uh, you can go to thecrypto6.com, get the mailing address there for nobody, and send him a nice note. And or send him a book. I imagine he still needs books. You know, if he's in there like I was, and I know he's not in 23-hour lockdown at this time. He was initially because every everybody that's brought into the jail for two weeks, they're quarantined, quote-unquote, due to COVID. So everyone spends for at least 14 days in 23 hour a day lockdown there and so now he's out i believe in population and has been for a while so he is able to go out and you know play cards with the other inmates and and talk to uh the other inmates so it does make passing the time a little bit easier if you're in that that sort of situation but it's still it's nice to have books to read when you want to do that and so again his address information is at thecrypto6.com which speaking of the porcupine freedom festival from what i'm told uh fork fest is the number one sponsor of the porcupine freedom festival this year and that allowed the people who did the fork fest sponsorship 
to name the stage. So at the Porcupine Freedom Festival, there's like the main pavilion. It's got the big stage on it, and that's where all the big speeches, you know, Ross Ulbricht's mom or whoever else happens to be speaking there, Jeffrey Tucker, Tom Woods, you know, all the, the speeches are given from there. And so you'll see there's, there's going to be a Forkfest banner, I'm sure, right next to the stage real big. But they're calling the stage itself the Crypto 6 stage. Did you nice. know that? Yeah, I, I had heard that. That's so cool. I think that's fantastic. It's going to bring a level of, uh, I think, exposure to the Crypto 6 that maybe we haven't had yet. Um, I also heard through the rumor mill that Aria, our co-host, is expected to speak on Saturday. So on the final day, when the big day uh, at uh, the Porcupine Freedom Festival, she will be on stage just before lunchtime. So a lot of people are going to be awake at that time. They're going to be out looking for something to do. And so she's going to have, I think, is, is it a panel discussion? Have you heard this? I've heard it I'm, might be a panel. I'm not sure if it's a, a panel, but I know she's going to give like a whole speech about the... The Crypto 6. No, just the Crypto 6. Well, the implications, like what this means for the world, this case. Yeah, and uh, I, I think it's going to be important. I wish I could be there to see it. Hopefully somebody will get video and put it online. So even the people who weren't there will be able to see this speech. Um, so you can join us here. The number is 603-283-6160. Coming up, Bonnie, you've got a story about these stay-at-home orders and how they have backfired. And what will that mean? I'm just going to predict more depression, more suicide. I mean, I, we'll see how much of it is a retread of the college story out there, but I'm, I'm curious to see what, what happens uh, in this one. Of course, you can join us as well and bring up whatever is on your mind. Also on the way here tonight, vaccinated people are still nervous. They're still afraid about going back to normal. We can talk about them as well. You can join us on Free Talk Live. Hour 3 next. After a devastating war, the alien visitors were driven back and their willing human collaborators were left behind to face the music. When Emma Jean Anderson's ex-lover springs her from prison, Nathan Foster and his 14-year-old nephew Ben are tasked with bringing the pair to justice. An easy enough job until they discover something is inside Emma Jean and the fate of the planet hangs in the balance. The Family Business by Mike Coopery from BaneBooks.com. Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live, kicking off the third hour of the program. Phones are open here as always. Well, I guess I can't say as always. Almost always, with the exception of the Porcupine Freedom Festival and Fork Fest, which kicked off today although we're not there bonnie and i are here in the studio hey bonnie hi i'm ian and our number again 603-283-6160 we're here uh sort of keeping things uh, working in the studio as our remote crew is up at the porcupine freedom festival they just weren't able to get everything connected in time to uh get the pre-recorded show done the which way- makes which makes today the last day for probably about two weeks for you to be able to call in Unless something else goes wrong in the next Hopefully two weeks, not. we will be there to uh, to pick up the ball if necessary, and that's fine because I enjoy doing uh, this show with you. I like doing it with you. Like pretty much everything. Uh, <laughs> 603-283-6160. But the Porcupine Freedom Festival going on, and it's looking like it's going to be a great event. Let's get back to talking about depressing things, okay? So, Bonnie, you've Yay. got a story uh tonight it's sort of in the sounds sounds like it's going to be in the same vein as what we started talking about which is uh was uh, focused on college students and how 
you know, normally young people, and you've had this experience with your friends, talk about how anxious they are constantly and how they're depressed. And of course, now it's worse than it's ever been due to the COVID crackdowns, due to all the restrictions. Well, let's go to a different story, Bonnie. You've got something else. What do you want to share? Yeah, Captain put this in our group chat in the Telegram, which you can't look at. So I have it on my phone. It's from Fee, it's an article saying a new study finds that lockdown orders didn't reduce overall mortality and may have even increased it. So oh, wow. Captain put the caption, oh, so it looks like what we've been talking about on the air and speculating for a year has actually true. been true, according to the study. Yeah, that's not a surprise at all. And I'm, I'm curious to hear the numbers. I remember Tom Woods did um, some numbers, you know, crack, you know, he did some crunching of the numbers between the different states. He's been doing it. He's been on that since the beginning of COVID. Right. And he looked at states like California that had as much of a crackdown as you possibly could and compared it to states like Florida or South Dakota, which were kind of the opposite to some extent, uh, and found that there was no significant difference between the number of infections and, de- and deaths and things like that, right? That's what I remember from yeah. Tom. Tom's studies. Well, I don't know if he did studies, but he... He, he looked at studies. Looked at studies and yeah. uh, put charts together and things like that. Yep. But this article talking about a study on FEE, the Foundation for Economic Education, says, Life under the... Under lockdown was hard for all of us, from economic—sorry, uh, from economic destruction to social isola- isolation. The costs of restrictive government policies intended to mitigate the spread of COVID-19 have been steep. But now, yet another study suggests that the benefits wrought by our collective sacrifice were negligible at best, and that stay-at-home orders may have even increased overall mortality. In a new paper, economists from the University of Southern California and the RAND, R-A-N-D, Corporation examined the effectiveness of shelter-in-place mandates, a.k.a. stay-at-home orders, using data from 43 countries and all 50 U.S. states. Hmm. The experts analyzed not just deaths from COVID-19, but excess deaths, a measure that compares overall deaths from all causes to a historical baseline. Right. So what's the typical number of people to die over whatever given period of time was it higher was the amounts of deaths higher were they due to covid turns out maybe not so much but they were higher but not due to covid the authors explain that lockdown orders may have had lethal unintended consequences in their own right such as increased drug overdoses hold on they might have been unintended but they weren't unpredictable like with the same thing with like the war on drugs we know what the consequences are going to be when you prohibit a product or yeah, a service. Killed my friend because my friend started overdosing and the person he was with was scared and left, not knowing that scared to try to help him, like take him to a hospital. That yeah, kind of thing. so they left. So I mean, like, it, if there wasn't a war on drugs, it wouldn't have been as big of a deal to go get somebody overdosing help. Exactly, still be alive. And there's so many people who've had those situations, but all of that is completely predictable, and we talked about it. Back in March or whatever of last year, we knew that this was going to result in people doing more drugs, in people who had just you know gotten uh, beaten alcoholism or thought they'd beaten alcoholism, falling back off the wagon and going back to drinking, uh, get drinking harder if they already had a drinking problem, doing more harder drugs because they're now they have no future. They feel like they have no future. They're locked inside. They can't hang out with their friends. They can't have social uh, circles like they used to. I mean, it, it was so predictable. It says um, such as in- increased 
drug overdoses, worsened mental health problems, increased child abuse, deadly delays in mm. non-COVID medical care, and more. If you think the government cares about your mental health, and I mean, it's just stupid to think that at all and then see that they put you in lockdowns. But if anything right. else can put, point to that that's not true, it's that the government mandates of 2020 um, cause more child abuse not only that how about spousal abuse how about you know your girlfriend boyfriend or whatever there's a lot of domestic violence situations that were exacerbated by this you know if you've got a relationship that's crappy with a violent person and again there's plenty of women that are violent against men as well there's that just goes unreported uh, so whether it's a man being violent against a woman or a woman being violent against a man or whatever partner being violent with their partner and one of the ways you'd escape from that situation is by being able to go to work every day so you're not at home constantly with this violent nut job, this drunken, you know, psychopath or whoever it is. Or if you're a kid, then, you know, you got to go to school and, or, and exactly. people maybe could have seen it or something like that. Now well, you're at home with that person 24 hours a day. I mean, it's if you had a strained, difficult relationship when you were gone eight hours a day, it's going to be way worse if you're there 24 hours a day. Yep, and um, you know, child abuse is something that can cause serious mental issues that with are, the children. Yeah, well, with yeah. people who grow up who were once children who were abused. Right. I mean, like that's if you think that the government cares about you, they just cause more child abuse. They don't care about your mental health. Nope. They care about obedience, and for them, this was an amazing experiment with to see how obedient Americans are, and it turns out they're pretty damn obedient. Yep. They and do everything they're told. Even more reason not to outsource your mental health uh, hygiene to the government or any authorities. No doubt. Um, the authors explained that lockdown orders may have had... Oh, yeah, I already said that. Sorry. So to find out whether stay-at-home orders truly helped more than they hurt, examining excess deaths, not just pandemic outcomes, is key. The results mm -hmm. aren't pretty. We failed to find that shelter-in-place policies saved lives, the authors report. Indeed, they conclude that in the weeks following the implementation of these policies, excess mortality actually increases even though it had typically been declining before the orders took effect. Hmm. And across all countries, the study finds that a one-week increase in the length of stay-at-home policies corresponds with the 2.7 more excess deaths per 100,000 people. Hmm. The lockdown simply didn't work. For each week. Work. For, no, for just one week, it said. It says the study finds that a one-week increase in the length of stay-at-home policies. Right. So a two-week increase would increase the deaths even more, presumably, and a three-week increase would increase the deaths even more. It says the lockdown simply, simply didn't work. We failed to find that the countries or U.S. states that impl implemented SIP uh, shelter-in-place, that's what that stands for, hmm. SIP, policies earlier and in which SIP policies had longer to operate had lower excess debts than countries, U.S. states that were slower to implement SIP policies. So what is it trying to say? We failed to find. So the the ones that did it earlier. The ones had, that did it earlier and more string, stringently had more excess deaths. Oh, that's what they failed to find. So they were saying we failed to find that like harder lockdowns worked. Worked better. We failed yeah. to find that. Uh, they, when they implemented SAP policies earlier and when they had longer to operate, that they had lower lower death rates. And um, it says, and their finding is no outlier. A number of, uh, uh, sorry, something popped up. It's so annoying. 
and their finding is no outlier. A number of other credible studies have similarly concluded that lockdowns were ineffective at slowing the spread of COVID-19. Plus, other research now shows that most COVID-19 spread occurred at home, not out in the world, <laughs> making stay-at-home orders all the more, more absurd in hindsight. But of course, they won't learn. You know, they're not going to care about what these studies are saying. They're going to do this again. And the reason they're doing this is not because, as you point out, it's not to help people. It's to control. And we'll continue. Your thoughts welcome. Free Talk Live. It was actually a can of water, believe it or not. <laughs> it was very loud. That was really that loud. I didn't have my headphones on yet. Yeah, 603-283-6160. Bonnie's not drinking uh, alcohol on the air. We don't do that stuff. Mark said that there is some kind of a rule against it. He has been corrected about that on multiple occasions, but he still continues to believe it. It's not true. Uh, 603-283-6160. It's just not a good idea. It's, there's not like a... Uh, FCC rule against it, which is what Mark believes. We looked into it. He should have remembered that, but he just doesn't retain that. He that doesn't really remember stuff very well. Yeah. He's blaming it on COVID. Today is actually Mark's fault that um, the. Oh the, my God. There's not a um, show coming on from Pork Fest right now, is because. Um, do you hear that squeaking sound? Yeah, oh, I do. Sorry. And I don't know what it is. Anyways, um. It's because he forgot to go get the headphones that Arya needed. So Right, yeah, she, he was supposed to bring up a pair of headphones for her and <laughs> just didn't. Um so anyway, the number here is 603-283-6160. That's okay. We've been in, we've been having a good time here and the phones are open as always. Bonnie, you've been sharing with us a story from the Foundation for Economic Education and this is about the lockdowns, the stay-at-home orders, quote unquote, that not only did they not stop people from getting COVID, but they also, uh, they didn't, what they actually did was create more deaths. They created more sick, they created more sickness because people caught COVID from their own homes and they uh, created more death because people were, you know, depressed and disturbed by their lack of social abilities and things like that, right? Yep, um, it's talking about a specific study by a Southern Californian uh, college, but it's also talking about that there have been other credible studies that have concluded that lockdowns were ineffective, and also some studies that have concluded that most COVID-19 spread occurred at home, which makes stay-at-home orders in hindsight all the more absurd. It says, of course, there is tremendous resistance to acknowledging the fact that the sacrifice we all endured evidently accomplished nothing— and they have even left us worse worse off. But we well, must I didn't endure that sacrifice because we went out the night that they said that there was gonna be this stay at home order in place in New Hampshire. We went out and we threw a party in Central Square called Nightcap here in Keene, New Hampshire, and so it's basically a civil disobedience party. Although the way the stay at home order 
could be interpreted was that there was like a loophole that you could possibly get out of if you ended up being charged or something like that. But they never even tried to charge us. They never even, you know, messed with us in any way except for giving us some parking tickets one night. Yeah, and well, we you're still this... not supposed to drink in the square. That's true. We did that, too. Uh, we did 36 weeks of this protest in, uh, in Keene, New Hampshire. So I feel bad for anybody who actually did what they were told. I feel really bad. If you if you are a libertarian, like this is the foundation of economic education or for economic education. Purportedly, there's a libertarian or voluntarist who's writing this article. I mean, why did you do what they told you? Well, I did for a while for school and it was just getting so depressing. And then when I heard about the show, I wanted to come up here and visit and see you because it was so exciting to me to think of. Well, the thing is, like, you if you even if you didn't want to do it yourself, you'd be the only one in a city. That's like a good seriously, because so many people one. did what they were told. Like your own friends are saying stuff to you, like, "Girl, I was working at Target and I just wanted to kill somebody because they came in without a mask." Wow! And you're just like, uh, "Well, I mean," and your secret thought in your head is like, "Well, the masks don't really do anything or whatever," but you don't want to tell everybody that because it makes you look like a Republican. Yeah, we had heard uh, from people who were city people, city libertarians, who were just being ostracized. Uh, by their friends. Uh, the people that they thought cared about them did not respect their decisions at all, were not being kind to them in any way, shape, or form. And and I think that's the reason why we're seeing a lot of people visiting New Hampshire and we're seeing a lot of people considering making the move up here. That's not to say that New Hampshire was great in any way, shape, or form when it came to the COVID crackdowns. It's I mean, more about the people here than the government yes. lockdowns. The people here will actually uh, you know, stand up for themselves. Well, not all of them, but there <laughs> the are more libertarians people here. here. And even the libertarians were split in New Hampshire. There were a, there were a group of them who were like pro-mask, pro-fear um, libertarians, and that was really disappointing. It was overall a pretty disappointing rule, but re, uh, year. But there were still a good core group of disobedient, non-cooperative people, especially here in Keene uh, and elsewhere in in New Hampshire that were not doing what they were told. And there Especially was some pushback. Like everybody at the beginning, kind of, even me, I was like, at the beginning of the whole COVID thing, I thought that this was probably something to, you know, want to wear a mask for or whatever. Well, it did seem kind of scary, you know, in the beginning because no one really knew what they were dealing with. So I could understand why someone would be cautious early on. But and then after a while, you just start to be like, do you know anybody that died? Do you know anybody that died? And, you know, you just start to be like, this is kind of BS. At the same time, though, when you know, I don't like being told what to do. And whenever governments say a thing, I just don't believe them. So I never really signed on with the fear from, from day number one. My fear was more like the fear of the government trying to attack us with a bioweapon, trying to kill us. I was just thinking, like, the government was going to give us a disease and kill us so and then the the more it went on if you're a free thinking person you can think stuff like well i don't know anybody that's died and i don't know anybody who knows anybody that's died and, and like you can start to realize that it's bs but then there are people who just cannot think freely by themselves and right. they're like just because i don't know anybody that has died and i don't know anybody that knows anybody that has died doesn't mean that the the people who die on tv aren't real uh, they might not be. Right. And the fear is propagated so effectively through television, through social media, and through actual social interactions between people, whether it be online or in real life. And that is why people were so obedient. Even here in New Hampshire with the suppo supposed live free or die mentality, 
it wasn't until the city of Keene repealed its uh, mandate, its mask mandate in the beginning of this month that we started to see significant numbers of people take their masks off. Yeah, it's really, really annoying to see a bunch of people who didn't want to be wearing it until like the day before June or July. Wait, no, it was June 1st that Keen stopped making people wear masks. Everybody was wearing a mask. So yeah. you know that they didn't want to be wearing a mask and didn't actually believe that it was like life or death for them to wear a mask. June 1st comes and nobody's wearing a mask. Yeah, It's just like you literally, that's proof that you were just wearing it because the government told you to and because you're afraid you might get a fine from the government. And you're you're just propping them up. That's why towards the end of the uh, mask thing, like the end of uh, May, I just started to think like I'm annoyed with these people because they're literally just government proper uppers. Like that's what they are. Like they're not, you know, making any type of statement. They're they're just letting you know, just lying on their backs and letting the government do right. whatever they want. To and I had hoped better for the people of New Hampshire. I I had hoped there would be more uh, disobedience, and there was some. I mean, right? There was the there was a group of folks that. Uh, that went to some local businesses, or not even local business, corporate businesses, like the the co-op here uh, in town and and uh, Hannaford Grocery, and they they did some mask-free shopping events, and and there were protests out in front of the governor's house on multiple occasions. You and I went to, you went to one of them. I went to multiple um, during the the thick of winter too. There was a lot of uh, people that, that did come out and do things against yeah, this, just not as many as I'd hoped. I thought it was more effective to uh, protest to the actual governor than to protest to like a business. I don't even think any of it was effective. Well, but, um, uh, maybe not effective, but more appropriate. It was something to do. There's more on the way. You could share your thoughts. What are your story as well from Fee, right? Yep. Uh, 603-283-6160. If you want to join us, it's Free Talk Live. The Terran Federation and the Terran League have been killing each other for decades. Sheltered, wealthy, and light years from the threat, the members of the 500 have no interest in changing that. When Rear Admiral Terrence Murphy is given governorship of a backwater system, a risk-free path to wealth and power is his for the taking. But Murphy is a man of honor, duty, and responsibility. He intends to stop the killing, whatever the cost. Governor by David Weber and Richard Fox from BaneBooks.com. Hey, it's Free Talk Live, the number here for you. If you want to join us, 603-283-6160, that's 603-283-6160. And in the studio with you tonight, you've got me, Ian. And Bonnie. And Bonnie, you've been telling us about a story from the Foundation for Economic Education. They looked at studies. They did a study. They looked at lots of information from 40-something countries, all 50 states. And surprise, surprise, they found that the lockdowns, the stay-at-home orders, actually hurt people more than they helped them. It says that they evidently accomplished nothing and may have even left us worse worse off. But we they must... definitely left us worse off. Not only I think did, so. like even if you were to eliminate the depression, even if you were to eliminate the drug addiction, the suicides, the people destroying their relationships, you know, domestic abuse. Even if you were to wipe all that off the table, they hurt us economically because people lost their jobs, which of course is a good reason to be depressed. And their businesses. And businesses. their entire businesses. People had their very successful businesses shut down. You'd think, oh, well, if it was a successful business, how come they couldn't weather the storm? Because there was no one coming in. Because the government was interfering and interference is unnatural. 
Correct. And you can only deal with this sort of unnatural shutdown of your business for so long. The rent's still got to get paid. The mortgage still has to get paid. Even if they delayed it, which they did in, in a lot of places, said, oh, well, we'll put a moratorium on you know rent payments or whatever. But you still had to pay it later. How are you going to do that? If nothing else, we're uh, worse off because we've put more power into the uh, government, a.k.a. the murder cult that is, well, not just the United States. Us in here in America, we put more money into the hands and more power um, into the hands of the murder cult of the United States. And all countries pretty much did that Mm -hmm. in the last few years. I mean, in the last, like, two years, I guess it's been, well, I I guess it's only been a year and a few months since COVID. It feels like forever. It seems like a long time. A lot of people are hurt by this, and it's not over. You know, they're going to keep, yeah, they're reopening things, but are they going to bring it back? Are they going to bring the lockdowns back this fall when, you know, flu season starts up again, and then all of a sudden people start getting sick again? Now that the population has become so cowed and so easily frightened, uh, it's only a matter of them just saying, well, we're locking down again, and then everybody's just going to do what they're told. Yep, and that's so obvious if you look at the fact that people just were wearing masks up until the day before the government told them they didn't have to anymore. Right. They'll groan about it because obviously a lot of people didn't want to, but they'll put them back on and they'll go and they'll do exactly what they're told. And the only thing that can stop this is a large concentration of people who are willing to say no, of people who are willing to take whatever risk we're talking about of getting a fine And then, by the way, if you get a fine for this stuff, don't pay it. Because every time you pay a fine to these goons, you're just encouraging them. It's just like giving the bully money. You know, the bully's going to bully you again if you give him money the first time. Because now he knows you're a a mark. You're easy to target. He can shake you down for more money. Same thing's true of the government gang. Stop paying these people. Go ahead. What else does the Foundation for Economic Education have to say? They say the takeaway here is not just that stay-at-home orders are an ineffective public policy. It's that politicians will always claim they can solve our problems if just enough, if given just enough centralized power. But we must not. And there's never enough. Nope. We must. We must not fall for their rhetoric and focus only on the seen tangible benefits of government action, like potentially slowing down the spread of COVID nineteen. We must. Wait. What does that mean? Um, Yeah. We must not focus on. You know potentially slowing down the spread of COVID-19, we must also consider the unseen and unexpected second-order effects and consequences. Mm -hmm. That's all. That was the story. Yeah. Look, I don't care about the potential for slowing down COVID-19. I don't care. Whatever the authoritarian idea is that they want to shove down people's throats, I don't care if it actually does save more lives. Now, we've seen that it actually didn't. But even if it did save more lives, I still don't want to be told what to do. Because that's just the way freedom is supposed to work. Like, we're supposed to be able to make decisions for ourselves. I should be free to make the decision about how much risk I want to take. And if you are afraid, then you should be free to stay home and isolate yourself from other human beings. Well, the thing that was touched on in that story is actually um, most of the spread was spread at home. So really, the the main thing about the government telling me what to do that I don't like is the fact that they're not actually giving good advice. Mm-hmm. They don't actually care about your health or safety or mental health 
at all. They're just they're all of their things that they're telling you to do are actually just to give them more control so they can bomb people and continue perpetual wars and continue to have you as their slave. Um, it's not it has nothing to do with health. So like if the government didn't tell people to lock down there, we have now um, multiple studies and evidence to see that less people would have died overall in general. Why so, did people have it spread at home, though? That's an interesting question. It'd be interesting to look at that. Because I remember we did, uh, we talked about a study that the military did. The captain had this story months ago where they had like a total like clean environment. They they sanitized like the, the crazy. deepest lockdown they could possibly have. It was a heavy lockdown, heavily sanitized, constantly re-sanitized, and they still had people catch uh covid and they still had it it spreading within this this facility and it wasn't in any significant manner less than people outside of it so why is that is it because when people are home alone or nearly alone with you know one or two loved ones that they're locked down 24 hours a day barely going outside to get any kind of exercise barely going outside to get any kind of sunlight you know some of these things that are sort of natural barriers against getting ill you know getting catching something that could uh, make you sick maybe your immune system is weakened yeah i think absolutely that was the case and that was something ron paul who's a doctor by the way was saying at the early end of covid last year a year plus ago ron paul was saying this is a bad plan locking people inside is not going to help their immune systems it's not going to make them more impervious to catching this thing and so, you know, but of course, still the, another question is, how does COVID get into a place if people aren't even leaving the house? Like, what is, how does that happen? I really, exactly. I really have no idea, but I doubt that. I mean, I don't really think that it's really the case that people who like every single person didn't leave the house got mm-hmm. it. That would be kind of crazy. I think we'd hear about that more. I think it's more like, oh, somebody went to the grocery store and came back and spread it to their family at home. Could be. Or they, you know, they went out at some point and they got it and they spread it at home. But but what about the military thing where they were like taking super clean precautions, you know, from like sanitizing all the food product boxes or whatever that were coming into the building, you know, like being extra, extra crazy kind of OCD level clean. I don't know. It's not even like very clear to me if COVID is airborne or if it, it spreads on surfaces. I don't think it's even clear to them. I, yeah, that's what I'm going to say. Or what I was trying to say. It just seems like they don't really like have a straight first, answer for us. The right, experts. First, they said it did. First, they said it was on the surfaces for like two weeks or three weeks or whatever. And then they said, no, oh, no, that's it's not that way. Bogus. Like, that's yeah. not true at all. Yeah. And then, yeah. And they were also saying it was airborne. And I was really scared about that at the beginning. I have no idea. So yeah. what I was uh, concerned with was not COVID, but the loss of freedom, and that was what really happened here. And and we're not going to get that back. It may appear as though freedom has come back. You know, we played that stupid song. Oh my gosh, uh, what I was thinking the of? other day, the Ariana Grande and uh, lock, no lockdowns anymore. What a straight up lie. That's not true. It's just the beginning of future lockdowns right. for the next, you know, crisis they want to make a lockdown for. Yeah, it's pure propaganda. They are going to do this again because they know they can. There's no reason why we won't see another lockdown in our lifetime if not within the next year. Yep. The only thing that could stop it would be widespread noncompliance, and we didn't have that in most places. Now, from what I understand, there were some rural areas of the United States where there was fairly widespread noncompliance. Kudos to those folks. 
603-283-6160 allows you to join us here. That's 603-283-6160. We're going to continue uh, with a story about the Frady Cats, the people who are who have the vaccine and they're still frightened to go back to quote-unquote normal. This is Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live, the number for you to join us in these remaining moments, 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. With you in studio tonight, it's Ian. And Bonnie. Don't forget, you can join us online over at freetalklive.com. We've got a social media site. You can get interactive with other Free Talk Live listeners and some of the hosts of the show. Just go to social.freetalklive.com. We've got set up where you will automatically follow some of the main hosts on the show, like myself and you, Bonnie, uh, the captain and others, Aria and Mark. Uh, you can go and get signed up over at social.freetalklive.com. If you want to unfollow us, that's fine. You know, you can do that. No. Uh, but it's you know, kind of gets you started to where you have some some people that you can read their posts um, it's still, you know, it's still in the early days of the site. There's still not a ton of people posting there, but you know, if you want a place to go to where you got more freedom to express yourself than these big media platforms, these big tech platforms like Facebook or Twitter, get on over to social.freetalklive.com. You and I were just discussing during the break that it's been actually a while since we've covered this COVID nonsense on the air here on Free Talk Live. Thankfully, it's not the completely dominant news topic these days. Yeah, it hasn't been as like hard to like care or talk about. But and it hasn't been as much in our lives recently, thank goodness. I mean that's partially because I'm locked down, but also because they got rid of uh the mask mandate here in Keene and I would say of the times we've been out, because we go shopping, I get, I get a shopping trip out on Sundays that my probation officer has allowed me to have with you. And the last, we've done it, what, three weeks in a row now, I think? Yep. Yeah, three weeks in a row. I wonder if this is going to be when you get COVID, because you are mm. being locked in your house. I already had COVID. Or maybe I already had COVID. There was an mm. incident that uh, both Nobody, our co-host Nobody and I had, it was probably like January of 2020 where he and I both got very sick for a very short period of time, like diarrhea, uh, you know, level kind of barfing all simultaneous. It was pretty awful uh, in the middle of an overnight. Maybe that was COVID. Maybe it wasn't. I, I don't know. I'm not worried about it, though. I mean, I expect that I will survive. And if I don't, well, then I don't. I will survive. <laughs> so... Uh, I don't know. Anyway, I don't know where I was going with all that. Oh, the idea that we're, you know, things are getting better, it seems like, at least based on our shopping trips. We went on a couple of shopping trips. We went to Walmart. We went to Target. We went to a grocery store that's a regional store called Market Basket. And it seems like maybe at like Market Basket, 40% or less, maybe 30 or 40% of the, the people shopping there were wearing masks. I'd say at Target, it was probably like 60%. Yeah, there's like at least 50 to 60%. And then like Walmart, maybe 40%. So it's definitely where uh, much lower than it was. But that said, people are, especially the city people, they're still steeped in this stuff in a lot of places. And Time Magazine has a story, the headline. You can just, you can tell how lame it's going to be just by this headline. Even vaccinated people are nervous about going back to, quote, normal. Here's how to cope. Claudia, how to cope. Yeah. Claudia Campos, who's 34, 
wanted uh, there to be no doubt about why she continues to wear a face mask at the Florida car rental company where she works, she decided to screen print a mask that telegraphs her thoughts. It reads, I'm vaccinated, but I'm not ready to trust you. Can you imagine, like, your boss letting you wear something like that in front of customers? Oh, she's at work? Yeah. That's very weird. Compost slogan distills the complicated emotions. It's not complicated. It's just fear. That's like, okay, like, there was a lady here taking pictures of us, and she was wearing a mask. Oh, for the the reporters? In our house. And I was just thinking, imagine that COVID-19 never happened, and this lady just came into our house for, like, you know, some story, and she's taking pictures of us, and she's wearing a mask into our house. It'd be so, like weirdly insulting well i would probably assume she had something very wrong with her Mm -hmm. like you know either she had extreme fear of germs Mm, or she had like some kind of i don't know just something i mean by all evidence she has an extreme fear of germs but um i was just thinking imagine like if covid never happened like i might be like what's wrong with her like why is she wearing a mask in my house does she think we're dirty The U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, CDC, has said that roughly 43% of the people in the U.S. who are fully vaccinated can mostly ditch masks, travel safely, and gather indoors with others. But many of those 43% are finding they're not ready to live like it's the before times. And they put that in capitals, like a pronoun. The before times? Why are they talking like a baby? Like caveman? That's how this is. It's all very babyish, very, you know, oh, we need to baby everybody, treat them like children. Remember, here's how to cope. Here's how to cope with returning to the before times. In March 2021, in an American Psychological Association poll, about half of respondents said they were, quote, uneasy, unquote, about resuming in-person social interactions, regardless of vaccination status. And in a May 25th Axios Ipsos poll, about half of vaccinated respondents said they still wear a mask at all times outside of the house. At all times even after the CDC's announcement that doing so is no longer necessary. In fact, many of these people were upset when the CDC made that announcement. It's silly, but at least I have a little bit more respect, actually. You know, like when I'm over here thinking about it, it's a little bit more less ridiculous to continue wearing the mask instead of taking it off the day the CDC says it's okay to. (laughs) Well, yeah, at least they're making their own uh, decision. And they're also just like being consistent. Like the day before they were wearing the mask because they were actually scared. Yeah, these are the true believers. Yeah. And the day after they're still scared. Lauren, a 38-year-old from New York City who asked to be identified by first name to preserve her privacy, says she and her wife are living essentially as they did in 2020, even though they're both fully vaccinated. They've dined inside once, an experience simultaneously refreshing and stressful, Lauren says. But otherwise, she's 38. Otherwise, have stayed mostly outside and mostly masked. That's in large part because the couple has a two-year-old daughter who isn't eligible for vaccination, and they want to keep her safe even though almost no one who is a child has ever died from COVID. It's more ever. risky to give a child a vaccination that has been yeah. untested. Absolutely. Lauren admits that there's, quote, some lingering anxiety from having followed all these protocols for so long. It's hard to believe that certain things are actually safe, even though we know they should be. So they're just constantly in a state of fear. They have been inculcated with fear from head to toe for so long they can't let go of it 
Rob Dansman, an Indiana-based licensed clinical medical or mental health tech counselor, says that a normal response, that's a normal response to a year marked by confusion. He says humans are terrible when it comes to not knowing the rules of the game. We had mixed messages. We had inconsistent science, inconsistent testimony, inconsistent mandates from different states. From my vantage point, if people were not experiencing some fear and trepidation, that would be weird. Well, I can tell you I wasn't experiencing fear. The correct response to um, a bunch of people who were supposedly the experts giving you um, conflicting science is to stop listening to them. The confusion is also not over. On one hand, the data around COVID-19 vaccination is outstandingly and consistently good. Now, this is Time's, you know, little opinion here. People fully vaccinated with the mRNA shots are 91% less likely to be infected by the virus than unvaccinated people, according to recent CDC data. Well, another um, study came out that said that if you've already had the COVID, if you've already had COVID, sorry, then uh, you, you have just the same immunity as people who get the vaccine. So if you've already had COVID, there's just no reason to put um, an untested substance into your body. Well, I've heard that if you've already had COVID and you get the vaccine, that actually could harm you. Like that it's not good for you. Well, why would you want a double dose of a yeah. of a bunch of stuff in your body? Uh, they also say the single dose Johnson & Johnson shot is 66% around 66% per, uh, effective at preventing the disease. And even when fully vaccinated people do get infected, they are less likely to spread COVID to uh, others than an, uninfect, an infected unvaccinated person. But those, both of those findings, they say, support a return to normal life after vaccination. And that's what the propaganda has been hounding people about with this Ariana Grande, Ariana Grande song, Pimping Vaccination. But with thousands of people in the U.S. continuing to test positive for the virus every day, it's understandable that even vaccinated people remain skittish around others, particularly if they live with unvaccinated or immune-compromised people who are still at risk. The emergence of highly transmissible variants is also a reason for concern, which is also going to be a reason for more vaccines because every variant that uh, that comes out they're going to have to cook up another vaccine for those things so if you thought you were done getting the vaccine after two doses get ready because you know later this year they may be telling you that it's time to come back for dose number three and dose number four just like they want you to come back for a flu vaccine every single year and of course you know who knows what's actually in these things Throw in the psychological challenge of re-entering the outside world after a year of being told other people could be deadly, and it's little wonder that not everyone is eager to squeeze into a restaurant booth or a crowded flight. We'll post the rest of this propaganda garbage on our social media site. You can go follow us over at social.freetalklive.com and uh, stop being so fearful and just get out there and live your lives. Don't listen to what the government's telling you. They don't care about you. They never have. We'll see you tomorrow night online in the meantime, freetalklive.com. The Crypto Six are preparing to defend ourselves against the state. On March the 16th of this year, the federal government came after Free Talk Live. They raided the studio. They arrested several of our hosts, one of whom, Rich Paul, also known as Nobody, remains in custody. They picked us thinking that they would find easy targets. Man, were they wrong, because we do not intend to back down. Visit thecrypto6.com to find out how you can join the war for freedom and financial liberty. Bitcoin isn't a crime. Cryptocurrency isn't a crime. Don't let the powers that be take control of cryptocurrency and establish the likes of Coinbase, Gemini, and Kraken 
as the next JP Morgan, Bank of America, and Wells Fargo. Keep cryptocurrency decentralized and beyond the control of the federal government. Go to thecrypto6.com to learn more about how you can join this fight. Thecrypto6.com.